Welcome to Becoming Your Best Version. I am your host, Maria Leonard Olson. I am a podcaster, radio show host, civil litigation attorney, mentor to women in recovery, a public speaker, TEDx speaker. Please do go online and like my TEDx talk called Using Life's Challenges as a Force for Good. If you hit the like button, it helps move my TEDx talk up in the algorithm for visibility. And I believe that my TED talk, in which I bear a lot of secrets that I held for many decades, has the capacity to help other people not feel so alone. I'm based in Washington, DC, and I have the pleasure and honor of interviewing women whose paths have crossed mine, who have inspired me in some way, and I believe they will inspire you. You can learn more about my work at MariaLeonardOlson.com. So today, a friend, mutual friend, brought this extraordinary woman to my attention. Emma Payne, who joins us from Vancouver, is the founder and CEO of Grief Coach, a text messaging service that delivers ongoing expert grief support globally. Grief Coach combines Emma's passion for mobile technology and engagement with her deep commitment to providing affordable, accessible, and personal grief support. A graduate of MIT and best-selling author who started building online communities before Netscape was born, Emma knows that while grief is hard, it's a little easier when we have people by our side. On their website, grief.coach, it says, expert grief support for you, gentle coaching for friends and family who want to help but may not know how, all via text. For less than the price of an hour's therapy, we'll send you thoughtful, personalized tips and suggestions all year long. Texts are curated by experts and custom based on your loss because nobody should have to grieve alone. This is an extraordinary, I think, service to so many of us who are going through grief now or are experiencing the lingering effects of grief because in my experience, grief can grow smaller with time but then we can be triggered and it can blow up again and affect our lives in ways that we may not be fully aware of at the time we are triggered. So I'm really excited to bring your attention to Emma Payne. Welcome, Emma. Thanks for having me, Maria. Thrilled to be here. Well, Emma, how, how did this get started? <laughs> it is such a great idea and something so needed in our society. Thank you. Um, well, most people that work in bereavement have a sad origin story, and, and so do I. My friend died in 2015 and had asked me to speak at his funeral, um, which I agreed to do, of course, but it was a really daunting proposition because he was the best friend and also second cousin of my husband who had died a decade prior by suicide. Mm. So essentially what I had agreed to do was fly across the country and stand in front of a couple hundred people, many of whom I hadn't heard from when Barry died. Mm. Um, so it was nerve wracking. Um, 
but I now really see it as a final gift from my friend because from the moment I sat in my pew through to the pub night the next night, I essentially had a version of the same conversation with a hundred different people who said, Emma, I'm so sorry I didn't reach out back then. I didn't know what to say. That was the first time I knew anyone who had died. Then too much time passed and I felt embarrassed and how have you been? And I really did care. Um, so on my plane ride home to Seattle, I just thought, this is, this is bananas. I mean, <laughs> so I spent 10 years not hearing from people. And I think that because Barry died by suicide, I was very adept at making up reasons why people might not be talking to me. Mm -hmm. um, but in fact, a lot of other people had spent that same decade um, feeling badly about that. You know, it was an opportunity for connection and support, but instead it felt very, very lonely. Um, and at that point I had already spent a couple of decades building web and mobile apps for everything from suicide prevention to youth voter engagement. Um, and it seemed like a solvable, a solvable problem. You know, I, I basically sketched the whole thing out on my plane ride home, assuming that when I got on Wi-Fi at SeaTac, I would see that it existed already. But when I landed, it did not exist already. There was nothing, nothing there to give people expert grief support after someone dies and to help those friends and family know what to say and be there for them when they do truly want to. They're, you know, people are good. We want to support each other, but death is scary. And seeing someone in the depths of grief can be overwhelming. Um, but if we give them some tips and suggestions and support and confidence around what we're doing, we're there to do it. Wow. Well, the world is better off for your efforts. And I thank you um, for me because, yes, I lost my best friend. And boy, do I wish I had this a little bit earlier than I do now. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned before we went live, uh, some statistics that were very compelling. Would you please share those with our audience? Yeah, there's some really, really stark numbers um, that are now being reported. So for example, US Census data reported the first jump in mortality rates in like 100 years from 2019 to 2020, a 19% increase in mortality rates in the US. I mean, this is, this is a huge number. Wow. Um, upwards of 60% of working age Americans are grieving a recent death. So that feeling that we have where everyone's struggling and it seems like a lot of people are grieving, it's, it's not a feeling, it's a fact. That's what's happening. Um, wow. I mean, I started a grief coach before the pandemic with as little idea about what was around the corner as anyone else. So who could have ever, who could have ever imagined that the need, the need was great beforehand. Before the pandemic, it was very, very difficult to find a trained um, grief therapist, even if you could afford the $150 an hour, their six month wait list. That was all true pre-pandemic. Um, but these new statistics are, are um, evidence of an escalating need. Oh, I believe it. And do you also find yourself counseling people, not only grieving over the death of a loved one, but other sorts of trauma? We have a couple of new products that we're working on. One is to provide support after a terminal diagnosis. Mm. So in the bereavement community, that's called anticipatory grief, that we start grieving, of course, when we find out that someone is dying. Um, so our, our anticipatory grief product for caregivers is coming soon. And we're also doing um, a really beautiful 
product for healthcare workers, people that see a lot of trauma and loss um, around resilience and fatigue and trying to support people in these um, high trauma, high death roles, as we need to be providing a lot of support to our healthcare workers right now um, so that they can, they can continue to do the important work they do. Wow, I think that is much needed as well. Thank you for thinking, for being so forward thinking and really stepping into the gap in care that exists in our society. So I know that you lived in Seattle for a great deal of time and now you're back in Canada. Is your uh, product more used in the States or in Canada or, or both really? We are delivering text globally Mm -hmm. um, our highest concentration of um, subscribers is the US and the UK. We actually have a lot of subscribers in the UK because there's a wonderful charity there called Sue Ryder, um, mm -hmm. who provides grief coach tech support free of charge to anybody who lives in the UK, which is just incredible. So now we're looking for partners in the US to do the same, right, for their states or municipalities or, or whatever it might be. Wow, that would be wonderful. In my experience, other countries do healthcare better than we do. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, including Canada. The, I mean, Canada is uh, a leader in this regard, I think, isn't it? Including Canada, but bereavement care has yet to be acknowledged as healthcare, uh, really. And that's an enormous miss and an enormous missed opportunity to keep people healthy. So when we are grieving, the, there's vast evidence that shows that we're vulnerable and at risk for anxiety, depression, sleep issues, substance issues, suicide, illness, heart events, you know, we're, you're very much at risk when you're grieving for all of these negative health outcomes. But our healthcare system does not include bereavement care because, of course, the patient has died, right, and, and leaves the system in a way. Um, but it's, it's, bereavement care is healthcare. And absolutely, um, we see all day, every day, and the data supports it, that when people receive some support, when people feel supported and able to talk about the person who's died, those negative outcomes are reduced. So that's, that's the name of the game here at Grief Coach. That's what, we're, that's what we're all about. Wow. And how do you find your experts to do? Is that hard to do? The world is full of wisdom, mm. you know? Um, our expert contributors are, sometimes I just get choked up even thinking about them because I'll come across somebody, you know, a woman named Weiwen Sato, who's a pediatric ICU nurse who works a lot around um, with grieving families, but also grieving clinicians. And she has a wealth of wisdom and expertise to share. We have bereavement coordinators at hospices all across the country. There's four and a half thousand hospices in the U.S. who all are required to provide bereavement care. So there's not a shortage of wisdom, um, and there certainly is not a shortage of need. So Grief Coach is just connecting those dots, taking the beautiful wisdom that's there and delivering it straight to people's pockets. It's not like we're waiting for a vaccine. You know, We're not waiting for a new solution. The wisdom is there, and our experts are incredible. So... We have people like Hope Edelman, who focuses on long ago losses, you know, deaths three years plus out and how we make meaning over time. Um, people like Megan Devine, who very much focuses on acute grief and traumatic grief in the early months. So she's a psychotherapist and we have Liz 
Gleason in Ireland, who's a fanatologist and grief researcher who has an enormous amount of wisdom about the grief experience. So it's just really cool to be able to share it with people. Indeed. Know? I love this model that you're, you have developed and continue to develop and improve and add to your offerings. It's, it's a wonderful resource and I'm grateful that it exists. Now, the Oh, I mean, I'm fairly old. I'm 59, but my mother is 80 and she doesn't text. <laughs> so what do you offer for seniors who are not adept at technology? We are a text messaging service exclusively. Mm -hmm. um, however, we have subscribers in their 80s. 14% um, of our subscribers globally are 65 and over. Mm -hmm. which usually surprises people. It's a little bit of a myth buster. Um, yes. To just realize that a lot of seniors do text and are very grateful to re receive support this way. Sometimes it's the only support they have. Mm. So if, if people don't have, you don't need a smartphone, there's nothing to download. It's not an app. It's as low tech accessible as it can be, but it is still tech. You still need a phone that can receive text messages in order to get our messages. Okay. Now, what if someone is receiving the text and then says to themselves, I really need to be face to face to a human being with a human being to continue my healing? Do you do your experts offer that or referrals? Yeah, so most of our um, subscribers come to us through an organization. So let's use a hospice as an example. So we work with lots of hospices, um, but uh, so Hospice of the Western Reserve, for example, is a large hospice in Ohio. They see about 6,000 plus deaths a year, and they have a 12-person bereavement team who now offer text support as one of the options that people can have. So people sign up for texts, their bereavement team gets that peace of mind knowing, hey, everyone can get something now because we're mm -hmm. only 12 people. And if you've got six, 7,000 deaths a year, that's, that's, you know, a lot, that's the deaths. And there's usually nine people grieving each death. So their resources are tight. So if someone receives the texts and is happy with the text, great. But if they say that they would like more, we um, just ask their permission and circle them back to the bereavement team at their hospice, and then they're able to get some additional support. Great. Now, I assume that confidentiality is paramount in your work, but can you share with our listeners um, sort of a verbal case study without naming names of someone who accessed your support system and had a good outcome. Yeah, we have we have lots and lots, <laughs> and I have somewhere I can use names where people have given me given me permission to do so. So I'll tell you the story about Sarah. Uh, Sarah was in her late twenties when her dad died, and um, she was struggling, really struggling, and she found grief coach on Instagram and signed up for a subscription and she started getting expert tips and suggestions for someone her age. Our, our texts are personalized based on a whole bunch of things, cause of death, age, relationship, and so on. So we were able to send her texts that are appropriate for a young adult grieving a parent um, who died of cancer. So she was finding the text helpful and every grief coach subscription invites the griever to add in a couple of friends and family who want to help and might not be sure how. So in Sarah's case, she added her husband and he started then getting tips once a week for the full year with suggestions for how to help her. 
and she shared the story. She's like, I don't know what you sent him. I never asked to look at his phone, but I know that he made a reservation at my dad's favorite restaurant on my dad's birthday. And we told stories about him. And so these, we try to do a, um, normalizing an empathetic text, but then also bridge to practical tips and suggestions. And she's like, this was game changing, right? Oh my gosh, sudden, Emma, I just got chills. That is so beautiful. I feel like I'm going to cry. This I know. Amazing. <laughs> the first time I heard the story from her, I did cry. I usually do every time she tells it. Wow. But, <clears throat> but the cool thing is when she shared this story um, on Instagram and we reached out to her, we asked, could we talk to your husband? And she said, sure, and put us in touch with him. And his reaction in a way was even more breathtaking because he was just so relieved. He's like, I love her. She's crying all the time. I don't know what to do. I feel really useless. I want to take the pain away. I can't. Um, but now we're giving him suggestions for things to do and he's just relieved and grateful. So people think that our work would be depressing, but it is not. It is the opposite. We just see a constant stream of gratitude from grievers who are just relieved that someone's talking about their husband or best friend and giving them words and language. And if we're also sending their friends and family tips, they're grateful. The griever is grateful, but the supporter is grateful too. Like, you know, just thanks for telling me what to do. Just, I don't know wow. what to do. Thanks for telling me. So wow. that's, one, that's one story that we, that we share a lot, but those, those come in day in and, and day out. We had a gentleman in the UK a couple weeks ago whose daughter's wife had died and he'd been receiving texts for about six months when he sent these messages saying, I just want to thank you for completely changing my relationship with my daughter, giving us this whole new communication channel to talk about her loss and for me to understand more about what I haven't, you know, touched before in my life. Like people find it very, um, yeah, it can be a real, a real game changer. We had another woman, Olivia, um, whose best friend died. She was 23 and they'd known each other since they were four years old and they were college roommates. And this beautiful young woman died of leukemia and Olivia, um, was really, really struggling. Uh, her mom was trying to help, but it was like, everything I say is wrong. You know, nothing, we can't, there's a lot of anger and pain and now somebody else was getting married and what about this? And so we heard originally from the mom who said, I just want to really thank you for these texts that you sent to my daughter and to me. They've totally changed the grief experience for us, given us ways to support her, Olivia felt that it was a real change um, for her grief experience, but her, her mom and dad also found that it gave them tools for how to support a young woman grieving a really significant early loss. Um, so th this is what we see all the time. It's amazing. We have a 95, like we started surveying our, um, we'll run surveys for our hospices and clients where we reach out and ask, you know, are these texts helpful and so on. And our head of research says that we are dealing with something called the ceiling effect. <laughs> mm. Basically, the numbers are so high that it's hard to differentiate between the top, like 95% of people, that's a real number, 95% statistically of our subscribers tell us that the texts are helping with their grief. Wow. It's amazing. incredible, right? Is it a two-way text thing, i.e. if I got a great text and I had a question, I could text back and get an answer? Is that how it works? 
So we are one-way support rather than two-way therapy, and we have okay. to be to keep ourselves cheap and um, scalable. Mm -hmm. But we do have, my subscriber support team are trained mental health professionals, and we do answer questions when they come in. And of course, sometimes someone might just have, you know, wants to change their supporter or change their, lost their password or so. Um, and we also track responses. We get, most of the responses we get back are just thumbs up and hearts and don't disturb I'm driving. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we track those and use those to prioritize messages for other people. But overwhelmingly, for most people, one-way support is enough. We actually don't get as many requests for two-way therapy as you might think. I think it's a totally different service. Yeah. But we do do some limited two-way when people ask questions. Wow, I'm blown away. I mean, I've done you. a little <laughs> bit of research about this. I have a tear in my eye right now because I made some missteps in my grief support. And my I lost my best friend to breast cancer three years ago. And I thought I was being supportive of her 20 something year old daughter, but I wasn't giving the kind of support that she wanted or needed. I wasn't. And I wish I had had this service to know how to support a 20 something year old grieving the loss of her mother, because I didn't mm -hmm. know, I was seeing it through the lens of a mother as I am a mother of 20 something year olds. So I did what I thought I would want in her position, but I'm too far removed from millennial aged responses. <laughs> so I really misstepped and gosh, I wish I had had this. I, but, think, hmm. I think that almost all of us um, would share that, that pain that you're sharing there, Maria. Like you are hard pressed to find, and I'm 51 as well. So you're hard pressed to find someone in their fifties who feels that they have perfectly supported everybody who grieved um, <laughs> a loss, right? We don't because nobody teaches us how. No one people does. Te people teach us how to like escape a burning building, but they don't teach us what to say and do when someone dies, which is a universal experience. Um, we're just not taught. And then we're also in a very grief and death illiterate society. So A, no one's told, told us what to say and do. But B, it's scary. Um, it's, it's scary. If you have actually sat with a griever um, who's really in the depths of it, it's not an easy thing to do. And we're so focused on thinking that we have to fix the other person or cure them or take the pain away. And then that feels like pressure. And then people are like, what if I say the wrong thing? Or what if I make them cry? We send text messages that say, if Maria cries, know that you're helping her heal. Mm. Like, oh my gosh, I just got chills again. Wow. Because wow. that's what it is, right? Grief has to be released. Yes. So we'll send a text and say, hey, tomorrow would have been Marcus's birthday. Um, why don't you reach out and share a favorite story that you remember about him or a photo from your phone or just- Oh my God, I'm gonna cry again. Wow, <laughs> wow, this is so beautiful. And it's so simple, you know, it's every day really... I go, I go to bed every, now you're gonna make me cry. I go to bed every night and mm -hmm. I actually can't believe it, it because the, the beauty and the impact and the simplicity um, is all I could have ever dreamed of creating. It's amazing. Oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. Wow.
Wow. I'm, I, I can't even believe how wonderful this service is and how needed it is and how I'm going to send this show and these links to about 20 people right after we get off of this recording. <laughs> it's gorgeous. It's thank you. Yeah. It's incredibly, um, we have team meetings every Monday. We're still a small team and a, you know, a growing company. Um, and of course, everyone who works here has some uh, both professional and usually personal experience with death. And I, these Monday meetings, I'm starting to, it's so pristine and beautiful. And everyone is so, because we have kind of like our one hand in the soil and one in the stars, you know, like we're mm -hmm. in the soil really and truly right with people's hearts and pain that's happening right now all the time, every day. Mm -hmm. But at the other hand, on the other hand, hand and stars trying to what do we launch next who else can we support because if this is if this can work like this we really should be able to support hundreds of thousands of people every yeah. month and so yeah. how do we get there because it's working it's yes. simple and it works and it's it um i don't know it it actually is beautiful the 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 responses are um heartfelt and impactful. And it looks like you've been featured in a lot of mainstream media, the New York Times, the Today Show, the Washington Post, Psychology Today. So I have to believe that uh, your your business is doing quite well because it really fills a gap that people crave. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an exciting time right now. We're, um, <laughs> I was talking to someone yes, or was it yesterday. A couple days ago and she's like emma just wow your business is doing so well and how did you do it i was like just one 16 hour day at a time for five oh, years oh my gosh wow <laughs> you know? wow like it is doing well right now but it's been a slow this is a this is not a venture-backed enterprise this is emma sold her house and everyone thought i was mad um oh, so it really wow. has been once one long <laughs> work day at a time but now really in the last year um it's because now we have the data and now we have the um just the evidence that it's it's working right so therefore more organizations are ready to embrace text-based support they might have originally been like oh no it's too tech or who knows but at this point the need is is monumental and we have a solution that works so so business is good Good. I'm glad for you because you Thanks. are an angel in our midst. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I truly you. believe that this is incredibly giving of you to have seen the need and filled it and continued the work to help so many people who are in such pain right now. And I think, as you alluded to earlier, pain in our society and trauma and grief has magnified I don't know, tenfold since the pandemic. Everybody I know has lo lost someone during the pandemic, at least one person. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, everybody is yeah. everybody is grieving. Like the CDC never uh, didn't used to measure bereavement at all, but now they um, have, they started in 2021 and estimate that nine people grieve every death. So if we think about a 19% jump in mortality, nine people on average grieving a death. And I mean, then the other lens is around vulnerable populations and who is grieving the most and how likely are those populations to get the support that they need. 
you know, a black 10 year old child is something like three times as likely um, to have lost a parent, twice as likely to have lost a sibling, exponentially less likely um, to have received any support at all. And the thing is, if you don't get support when someone dies, if you don't have a place to express your grief and talk about your dad, um, this just builds. It just builds and builds and builds. Oh, so true. And I think I'm going to, after this, after this recording, go and cry over my, <laughs> my best friend, because I miss her every day, every mm. day, but I'm not going to fall apart till we're done recording. So <laughs> since we are near the end, you mentioned, should, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, so I should put my grief, co grief coach hat on <laughs> and invite, and I should invite you to tell me a favorite story about your best friend. What was something, what was something fun about her? Hmm. Well, on her deathbed, I asked her, she was an atheist. And I said, we don't know what happens, of course, after we pass from this realm. But if there's any way that you can send me things shaped in the shape of a heart, a cloud, a rock, put it in my pathway <laughs> so I can see it and know that you're still with me somehow. And every single day I see heart-shaped leaves, rocks, clouds. I just flew back from Seattle and flew over the Grand Canyon. And I'm not kidding you. I saw a piece of the canyon carved into the side of the wall shaped like a heart. Beautiful. I took a picture of it and I sent it um, to her widower and her daughter. And that's beautiful. It, it so was beautiful. You're being a great... You're being a great grief supporter. We have a text message that is very much about that specifically. Is there something that your friend sees as a sign or a reminder or that makes them think about their person? And then we get messages back like, yes, it's a cardinal. Every time I see a cardinal or, you know, all the different um, ways that we, when someone dies, we have this idea that our relationship with them ends. And that is not true. You have a continuing relationship with your best friend and I have a continuing relationship with my husband and I can still learn new things about him many, many years after he's died. Or I can have a life experience that makes me think, oh, what would have this been like for him? Or then I talk to somebody else who knows him, knew him, and then they tell me a different story. You know, we, we continue our relationships with people forever. I believe that and I'm crying again. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. Um, so you mentioned that you managed to stay upbeat and positive despite this very painful, I imagine, work. Can you tell our audience, what do you do, Emma, to become your best version? I think it's those 16 hour days again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um there's lots of things that I do. I'm quite good at um, balancing my the, the very first year of grief coach was hard on me because I started thinking that I, I started driving more slowly. I was terrified that people were going to die constantly because you, you have that feeling that death is everywhere. Um, so the first year was difficult. But since then, I just found ways to talk about it. I play the bass and like to play loud music. I try to express it. I get to talk about my losses. Um, I, I actually feel these days that I'm living at the, in the center of my own Venn diagram and that I'm living my absolute best version of myself 
every single minute of the day. It's an incredible feeling. That is beautiful because you are, because when we make our world a better place, when we help those who are suffering, when we have a gift like you do, that helps so many people, how can you not be your best version? You right. are an amazing light in our world. And I am so grateful that our paths crossed. Thank you so much. We're lucky Carrie introduced us. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Carrie. Shout out to Carrie. <laughs> All right. So listeners, you can follow their incredible blog at grief.coach slash blog. You can learn about their work on grief.coach. They are all over social media and all of that is listed in our show notes. So Emma, my gosh, thank you for taking time out of your intense, beautifully uplifting work to be here and to share with our listeners this incredible resource, which I'm promptly going to get off of this show and send to 20 people. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your story as well. Thank you. And join us again next week for another inspiring woman's voice. So you too can become your best version. Mm -hmm.